0: Reading is just a habit you got to form in all of life. Books don't change people's sentences. Reading, good, solid, reform, spiritual literature, reading, especially the classics, that's had the biggest impact on my life. Well good, good. well, good day and welcome to another episode of the Reformers Bookcast, a podcast hosted by Reformers Bookshop. Uh, my name is Tom Eglinton and uh, we're joined today by uh, Melvin Tinker. Thanks very much for joining us, Melvin.
1: It's a pleasure to be with you all uh, all, all that way uh, over in Australia.
0: Yes, so uh, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and where you're calling from?
1: Sure, um, okay, well Melvin Tinker, uh, for 26 years I was the uh, Senior Minister of St. John Newland in Hull and um, I've recently retired from that post. In fact, um the, the congregation, we left the Church of England because of the, the situation uh, it was in. And um, we then formed a, a new network of Anglican churches. Okay. And um, my role in that, even though sort of retired, is I'm uh, called the Director of Theology. So it sounds rather grand, but basically I'm just helping people teach the Bible.
0: <laughs> yep. Um, so what's that new um, collection of churches called?
1: it's called uh, Christchurch so there are, there are three um, centers at the moment so Christchurch Newland uh, Christchurch um, Orchard Park and then uh, Christchurch uh, Christ uh, Riverside so um you know we've got three other the moment. Yeah, and yeah. Um, having established those in covid situation uh, it's been it's been an interesting time shall we say
0: yeah very good um and uh, what, what what was it in the church of england that brought about the uh, the move out
1: Well, um, there's been a deterioration in the Church of England for many years, and um, it's certainly accelerated in the last 10 years, I'd say. Um, And in many ways, it's pertinent to the subject we can be talking about Mm. today, uh, because what we see is a replacement of the gospel with a progressive agenda, uh, which may use religious terms, but really has no Christian substance or very little Christian substance. And um, of course the as it were the, the sort of presenting issue uh, is that of, of uh, homosexuality, mm-hmm. gay marriage and the like. And uh, so we came to a position where uh, increasingly we're at uh, loggerheads uh, with the the, the diocese uh, and um, as a matter of a integrity one couldn't stay in a system and a a denomination, which we believe is both corrupt and corrupting. Um, But also one had an obligation to protect the flock and not only protect the flock, but also ensure the flourishing of the gospel. Mm. And I was coming up to retirement, you know, at some point. um, And, and there was no doubt about it that uh, when I left, um, I wasn't going to be replaced by, what I would call a a consistent evangelical. So we had to make plans. We had to do something positive and and creative uh, for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the people.
0: Mm. That must have been a hard hard decision, I guess, and I'm glad that that you've produced a, a yeah a,
1: a it was it wasn't how i envisaged things yeah. you know um because the church had been built up you know about 500 people by the by the end of you know after 25 years and it was a very thriving and healthy congregation and what was uh, ple- well pleasantly surprising i guess you put it that way uh, was that uh, the the vast majority of people came with us and mm-hmm. and Rather than why is this, uh, most people said, well, we knew it was coming. It was just a matter of when. Right, right. And so God was very kind to us yep. uh, in preparing the people.
0: Yeah. Um, now, th- now, you've written a number of books, uh, but the one that we're going to talk about today is That Hideous Strength, A Deeper Look mm-hmm. at How the West Was Lost. Um, and then it's got a subheading as well, an expanded edition examining the cancer of cultural Marxism in the church, the world and the gospel of change. Um, so can you tell, this is, this is the second edition of a book that you'd written in uh, 2018, I believe. Um, can you tell us a bit about how, how the book came about? Why, why did you decide to write this book?
1: Yeah, uh, well, it, it it started off um, back in two thousand and eighteen um, when I was asked to do a presentation at the Gafcon Global Anglican Future oh, yeah. Conference yeah. in Jerusalem uh, on cultural Marxism, uh, and so that's what I did. I, so I, I, that's when I, I really started to do a fair amount of research and thinking into the subject. And, um, as I was doing this, uh, so, you know, what, you know, cause I'm a preacher primarily, um, once I was trying to get a handle on this, a sort of way in to try and explain it, um, that this phenomenon and, um, you know, there's that sort of twilight zone when you, you're trying to go to sleep, your mind's active. And at one point, um, it, it just came to me, I th- you know, that hideous strength by CS Lewis, mm. um, And I thought, right, I'm gonna reread this. So I I read it again. And it it struck me that what Lewis was saying uh, back in the 1940s about the way in which um, an elite comes together using technology in order to basically uh, enforce its ideas and thinking on uh, an unsuspecting society and, and culture. This is exactly what is what has happened through this um, thing called um, cultural Marxism or, or critical theory, and so I just brought the, the, the two together, uh, and 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 um, I don't know if, if many people realise this, but um, behind um, uh, C. S. Lewis's uh, book. That hideous strength uh, was a poem uh, written back in 1555, and in a, a dialogue by Sir David Lindsay, which is actually based on the Tower of Babel story. It's a poem about the Tower of Babel story. Right. In a particular line: "The shadow of that hideous strength, six miles or more, it is of length." Hmm. And and so here you have got a link then between what Lewis was saying regarding. The rise of this sort of technocratic elite, uh, shaping people uh, and dominating people, the Tower of Babel story uh, in Genesis 11, and the coming together, this coming together of humanity in rebellion against God, to as it were overthrow his uh, his design um, in in terms of the way in which he is. Uh, uh, created uh, distinctions within in the world for our good um and and cultural marxism yeah. so it's an interesting way in which the t- the things came together uh, kevin van hooser said to me "Is well i've never come across anyone who's sort of combined c.s lewis book with a spaghetti western before in its title <laughs> <laughs> i never thought of it like that
0: <laughs> um and, and it's fascinating as i have been thinking through this issue since i read a, um this book last year and and as i've Watched the events occur over the last eighteen months or so, um, and I've gone and reread 1984 um, mm. by Orwell, and I just finished Brave New World by Huxley, uh, and it, it seems to be quite a common thread through these these sort of dystopian um, mm. novels and and stories, and, and even like you say, the Tower of Babel, the the way that man seeks to use technology to overthrow God and God's design in the world. Um, and And even really and and you pick up this in the book to attack humanity and what it means to be human um, yeah. can you maybe I guess we'll deal with one one thing at a time can you Can you talk about how technology has been uh, used and has has risen up in our culture and our Western culture as something that is it needs to be? thought about by the Christian, it it needs to be really observed carefully.
1: Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, I think, I think it was back in 1975, um, uh, uh, an American uh, social justice solving golden made a a very important distinction between uh, the intellectuals and the intelligentsia. Now, the intellectuals, uh, he argued, were the the ones in the universities, the academia, who came out with all these sort of political and social theories. Uh, But the the people that then implemented these um, ideas uh, were what he called the intelligentsia. Uh, Sorry, uh, yeah, the intelligentsia. Now, the intelligentsia are are the, uh, he said, they're not particularly bright people. But they are very powerful people. They're the people that occupy occupy um, position. They're, they are managerial people essentially, right. and right. they're the ones that have the ability to to nudge people along um, and so, nudge so what, thinking. Of, what would be an example of
0: someone in that sort of position?
1: Well, yeah, the media. Uh, right, well, exactly. and and Silicon Valley. I mean, yeah, clearly. Big business. Uh, big, big business, um, and uh, you know what, what? one thinks of Silicon Valley? You know, we you think of what's been happening. You, you know, with um, Facebook and yep. and Twitter and, and, and the like. And it's interesting. I, I think Andrew Andrew Murray uh, makes this point um, in at uh, no, Andrew Murray. Um, then Douglas Murray, uh, in his book um, Madness of the Crowds, um, he, he said that um, he he tried a little experiment. He, he Googled. Um, uh, heterosexual marriage, uh, heterosexual couples, example of heterosexual couples, marriages, and we looked at the images. Now, what came up weren't uh, sorry, white heterosexual couples, that's what he, he googled. But what came up, first of all, were uh, homosexual couples, uh, black homosexual couples, uh, black. Of homosexual couples, and then way down the list, you eventually got some white heterosexual couples, but they were not exactly, uh, they're of a certain political right wing flavor, shall we say. Right. So he gives this as an example of the way in which, even, even they're using Google, Google itself um, actually is, is nudging people to think, not really consciously, but almost unconsciously, it's just shaping the way in which we mm-hmm. see things. So, particularly. Today, um, the 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 speed with which ideas can be um, transmitted uh, is phenomenal. And now, of course, you've got the development of artificial intelligence. Now, this is the biggie, and I think this is the thing that we should get a wee bit more <laughs> concerned about. Uh, because, uh, and this is not me engaging conspiracy theories, because I've spoken to. Uh, one particular very prominent scientist who prefers to remain nameless for obvious reasons um, is saying, you know, that now a, 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 an artificial intelligence, um, um, op- well, I don't know what you, do, do, how you, sort you call of it, the sort yep. of machine yep. or, or whatever it is, um, is is now in in, in operation, and um, it can it can write a PhD in three and a half minutes. Oh. It can answer 20,000, I think it's 20,000 questions a second. Uh, and each year exponentially, it gets smarter. It's gonna be, it's, it will soon be smarter than any other person on the planet and ever will. Um, and he also pointed out that facial re- recognition is rather passe because with this um, material, this this um, oper- operation, uh, it's possible to, um, he, he said, he all all it needs is for to for this thing to actually see his um, CV and perhaps a letter he's written, and it will know more about him than he knows about himself. Hmm. Now this is a top scientist in the field of artificial intelligence. Now now you you think the potential that has so you know as I said forget racial recognition facial recognition. You you think what? Happens if um, people obtain a list of um, members of your church, for example. Uh, it won't take them very long to, um, uh, you know, to say feed this kind of thing in, find out what their preferences are, what they like, what they don't like, um, and um, and they know, you know, the the, the powers that be will know far more about them than they know about themselves. And yeah. that, that's not, and I, I and, when, and, and when I was talking to him, I said, well, this is the sort of Terminator thing. I thought this was going to be about 50 years' time. So, no, this is now. And right. he said, the only thing that's holding things back is money. But when you've got people like, um, you know, Musk, for example, mm. uh, who are really into this big, th- big, big time, and he's, is he the third richest man in the world? Something it's, like it's, that. It's doable. It's going to happen.
0: Yeah. Wow. And so then, um, Feeding that across, like in and of itself, technology is shouldn't be something we see of, as sinful or no. um, bad. So, what is it about these, uh, the way that we use technology in in, in the Western culture that um, that is so concerning?
1: Yeah. Well, the 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 the, the problem is that I mean, <clears throat> we we need to recognise that modern science arose out of christianity mm. um, you know it was a christian worldview that gave rise to modern science and out of that of course um, modern technology um, but also um, came with that the you know this is francis bacon's idea that god has given us two books the, the book of scripture and the book of nature and we're to read both of those books uh, with the same sort of servant humble attitude um, as it were, and um, and we're to therefore a, a, apply uh, what we discover in a God-honoring way. But there you've got that that biblical framework. But with all that being dismantled now, what are you left with? Well, the, there is no universal ethic. You, you know, they, um, the the idea uh, that we're living amongst the fragments in terms of ethics. We people take a bit here and. Bit from this, and we try and put something together, but there's nothing which is coherent. And so, at the end of the day, and this is where there's, there's, there's some truth in 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 what the sort of cultural Marxists are saying, you're pretty well left with power. Mm. It's those who have the greatest power that can bring bring to bear um, their agenda and ensure that those agendas are applied. So there's you know you've got to have some ethical framework in which to operate uh anything uh, but particularly technology which is so very very powerful
0: and so then you you just mentioned that um cultural marxists see things in terms of power uh, can, mm. can you explain um very quickly i guess marxism and how that shifts into cultural marxism
1: yeah okay well when going back to classic Marxism with with Engels and, and Marx himself, um, Marx uh, believed that there was no fixed human nature. Human nature was like a sort of clay that was shaped and moulded um, by economic and political forces. Um, so he said that that men do not have a, a consciousness, um, uh, but but that that. Is 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 so is the social consciousness which is determined by uh, its particular um, uh, uh, existence, which is your place in a particular political system.
0: Right now, so it's sort of like um, you, you're defined by what you do and where you fit in the economy. Th-
1: um, that's right, but but more than that, just the way the way you think, the way you see yourself is, is determined. And and basically, w- in, in the capitalist system. Um, you have um, the mismatch, if you like, between the bourgeoisie, the ruling group, mm. and and the proletariat, the, the workers. And it was illustrated, um, if we can illustrate this, with a poster which appeared in 1911, uh, which was entitled The Pyramid of the Capitalist System. So it was like a, a sort of tears of a cake so at the bottom big base of the of the KQ had pictures of oppressed workers. and the caption was, "We work for all." and feed all. And then just above them, you have the capitalists whining and dining, and they all said, right. the caption is, we eat for you. Above them, you have the military, which says, we shoot you. And above them, you have the religious clergy saying, we fool you. And above them, you have the monarchy saying, we rule you. And above that, you have this big dollar sign, a big sack of money, okay? And that's the way in which the, the it, it's seen, and so, Uh, What Marx said is that inevitably you're going to have the conflict between the the haves and the have-nots, and eventually things work itself out so that eventually um, the capitalism is overthrown, you get communalism or communism, and then there's going to be redistribution of wealth and power. Now, um, cultural Marxism um, reconfigures that um, significantly um by stressing well this is what um, you know one of the, the major thinkers gramsci said that it's actual is culture uh, that is prominent rather than p- politics and economics is is it's it's the culture that actually shapes politics and economics and we got to recognize that therefore you've got to capture the culture to bring about the revolution and so, so, so the goal the- is
0: still because in, in classical Marxism, yeah. you only bring yeah. about the freedom of the proletariat through violent S- through, revolution.
1: Through violent revolution. Now, in, um, with, with cultural Marxism, um, it's, it's changed in, in different ways. First of all, it still sees um, the, the basic problem being capitalism. Mm. That is oppressive. And therefore, the capitalist system has got to be overthrown some way. But instead of having the classic, um, just bipolar uh, setup, if you like, between the bourgeoisie, the capitalists, and the workers, it's more complicated than that now because you've got a number, uh, you've, got, you've still got a pyramid of oppression. But right at the top, yes, you've got the problem of capitalism, you also have the rulers. Uh, but beneath that, you then got a whole set of a different tier of, of, of oppressed groups. Um, so we're talking about uh, those who are of the minorities, gays, women, trans, uh, and you, basically anybody who's not white. Yep. And the real oppressors above them are basically white uh, male heterosexuals. Christians. And therefore, to bring about the revolution... And the redistribution of power—that that that system has got to be brought down. The question is, how do you bring it down? Now, for Marx and Engels, it was a violent revolution. Mm. But um, and so, what what? But Gramsci said, no, we have got to think of it differently. Classically, he he argued that you had what he called uh, the um, the tactics of of um, uh, of basically a, a basic maneuver that um you know you you had the you know over you know the violent overthrow of a political political system but he says no we, we've we've got to think differently and what we've got to do is to get people placed in positions of power um to change people's thinking to make the revolution almost happen without them even realizing it it, it 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 is actually happening, and this is where he devised this i this this notion of the hegemony, and um, and and that is the the idea that um, a particular uh, ruling class can exert its influence over a population through non coercive means, non oppressive means like schools, media, and marketing. So if you can capture those culture-making institutions change the way people think of the world, get them to think in terms of white, male, (laughs) cis, supremacy, oppression, and all these different victim groups and the question of social justice and and, and so on, get them to think in those categories, then you eventually get, get people's, you change people's assumptions so that you get to this stage where people say, well, of course, everybody nowadays knows that, mm. dot, dot, dot. You know, there is, there is no such thing as gender, really. It's a social construct. There's no male or female. Every, of course, gay marriage is fine. How, how can you think otherwise? And so you get to the position, then you don't have to argue about those things. There's nothing to argue about. And I think that's exactly where we've come to.
0: And that's that's fascinating because it it connects into the the Tower of Babel because what you're saying is that they have, uh, so, so astonishing astonishingly, they've actually managed to build a culture tower, if you like, yeah, that yes, yeah that completely defies God's purpose for mankind and defies how God has made us. Yes. And so in in your book you you explain um, how they've they've done this, which is startling and scary uh and then you show how that has influenced our view of of sex and gender uh, and Mm -hmm. sexuality and you you pick up on this one issue in particular um can can you explain i guess how it is so against god and man Mm -hmm. in terms of whether where our culture has gone in in gender and sexuality
1: Oh, boy, (laughs) where do you begin with this? Um, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, 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 no. So it's a good question because this is a thing which, you know, sometimes Christians, we're we're, we're criticized. You're always going about sex and you're all, you know, homophobic, et, et cetera, et cetera. And as if we're wanting to talk about these things, no, not particularly. Uh, and, in fact, it seems to me that we're not the ones who are particularly talking about these things, but everybody else is. And, and in, in our country, anyway, the BBC, um, uh, look at the website every day. There's something, there's some promotion of of either trans, increasingly trans, but also the sort of gay agenda.
0: Yeah, which is, um, which is that tower working, right?
1: That's the tower. It's another that's brick the, on top,
0: another brick on top. Yeah. Here we go. Absolutely
1: yep. right. Um, but what we see um, with with scripture um, and and the the way in which um, humanity is to be understood is that very basic distinction that um, God created them male and female um, and uh, they're created in God's image. And it's as male and female complementing each other that they are to exercise stewardship, over God's world, under God, to care for the world, to care for each other, and and therefore to ensure uh, not only human flourishing, but the flourishing of the planet. And that, that's, you know, that, that's the, uh, um, you know, the, 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 the agenda uh, that was the cultural mandate uh, given mm-hmm. in Genesis to be fruitful and multiply, uh, and to move outward into the world, to bring it under and God's kind uh, rule, um, but of course, what you see with the Tower of Babel, the exact opposite of that. So instead of being sca- uh, moving outward, they decide, no, we're not moving outward. We're going to congregate, uh, and and basically, we're going to call the shots. And so they build this tower to to make a name for themselves, as it were, um, in order to bring God down. And um, in the past, it's, it it's tended to be thought of the Tower of Babel as a means of reaching up to the heavens. Uh, but in fact, it, it could be construed that no, it's actually a way of bringing God down. It, it's a ziggurat, um, which um, certainly the Babylonians saw as as the the, the 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 place from which the gods came, and and basically pandered to the needs of the, you know, the people that managed to bring him down some way, and that's what is going on. You know, there. So the, the, the idea is to domesticate God, to de God, God um and and basically to make God in our image, but we do do that by basically trying to 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 break down those distinctions which is which are part of is part of the fabric of of reality so it, as so an alternate reality which is no reality it's a fantasy is being put forward uh, that there is neither male nor female but not in the in the <laughs> sense paul made um but that all such distinctions are social constructs um, such distinctions tend to be means of oppression uh, and and therefore we need to throw off all of these uh, such distinctions so that we can be totally free to be whoever we want to be mm. um, so it, 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 it is diabolical there's no question about it uh, whereas what God the, the distinction that God has given to us in which we uh, um as male and female and so on um enabled to 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 flourish not least in producing progeny uh, which you know one can't do um you know either in a homosexual lesbian situation although of course you can a bit now can't you because of technology so the technology comes into help. yeah Yeah. We, we
0: make we we uh do what we can with our science to produce to make ourselves gods To do what we, yeah, to do whatever we want,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, now as I read your book, I got two thirds of the way through. After you've you've explained um the the concepts of cultural Marxism, the concepts of scientism, the way that um that the the Mm. cultural institutions have brought about this change in social imaginary, the way that we think about gender and sex, Uh, and I was pretty depressed. <laughs> you were depressed.
1: How do you think I writing it? Because
0: <laughs> I think a lot of us can look out and go, yeah, there's something seriously wrong in society. And your book is so mm. helpful in showing us what that is, or mm. or at least one angle on what, what's going on. Um, but then you, you're left going, well, what do I do? Um, am I meant to overthrow their overthrowing of the power systems or, <laughs> you know, uh, what, what is it that we're meant to do to fix this? Um, yeah. So could, could you maybe sure. give, give us what you well, think are, are some of the really important ways? Okay, we well, I
1: can them. give you the four alternatives that have been put forward. It's not in the book. The, this is a separate stuff now after the book. Extras, bonus so extras. Basically, four, <laughs> there, are four, <laughs> there are four options that different people have put forward, okay, as to how we may make a change. Uh, the first option is what's called faithful presence, faithful presence. And that's been favoured by uh, the guy who really pop, uh, popularised the term culture wars, uh, Davidson Hunter, uh, James Davidson Hunter. And and he, he says, look, we've just got to be realistic, you know, We've, we've still got, this is part of the society we're in, we've got to argue our case, we've got, we've got to hold positions of integrity. Uh, we've got to um, say the emperor wears no clothes. We've got to be as provocative and, you know, as, in one sense subversive as, as possible. And, and so over here in England, you've got people like uh, Lawrence Fox, and Andrew Doyle, Douglas Murray. And, and I don't think we ought to underestimate the influence they're having. And again, especially through social media, uh, and 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 the like and um and so that's one possibility you know we, this is where we are let's you know stay with it the second is faithful presence with alternative structures and this was something which was developed um by the the, the Czech writer Václav Havel um part of the um velvet revolution Czechoslovakia and so what he did it was it was christian um Intellectual um, was saying, "Well, look, what we need to have in place are, if you like, there's an alternative uh, um, culture uh, running a lot uh, like or, or a operating within, yeah, yeah, like yeah, a subculture. With, yeah, a sub, yeah, basically a subculture, so that when the culture eventually co- collapses, the dominating mm. culture collapses. There's something that can come in to take its place." Mm-hmm. <laughs> And and a sort of variation of that is is Rod Dreher's uh, the Benedict option, where he looks back to the fifth century and Pope Benedict's establishment of um, you know monasteries uh, as a sort of arcs for for the Christian culture to be preserved. Um, and now he argues, and I know Carl uh, Truman, for instance, is is quite favourable towards this. And I, 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 there's a lot of attractions, but the There are two criticisms, I guess, one can have. I mean, one is that we're not to underestimate the influence and the extent of the social social engineers in our society. So even if we were to create, if Mm. you like, Christian Christian monasteries or equivalent to that today within our churches, people are still being influenced by this stuff.
0: Yeah, you can't (laughs) get away from it, right?
1: You can't get away from it. And the second thing uh, is that although these monasteries at the time were physically distanced from um um you know pos- you know places yeah. of, of power you know citizens the like nonetheless they still did they were still um locked in to positions uh, to to um to patronage and, and influence through through the churches right uh, and we haven't got that um the fourth alternative is do it a gramsky <laughs> and, and that is to say, OK, we've got to do a long march through the institutions yeah. uh, as, as Christians and working with those who aren't Christians, but nonetheless are on side with, with our thinking in terms of, say, having a liberal view of, of freedom of thought and, and so on. Uh, and using technology, trying to influence, you know, get into the universities um, and, and so on. And, and then eventually to subvert the subversives. So those are the four alternatives. Now, they're not mutually exclusive, uh, and depending upon where we are, um, both as individuals and our societies, um, we may move towards one preference or, or another. But I don't think it's... Uh, so that's just from a, if you like, a pragmatic point of view. Yeah. But obviously, as Christians, <laughs> we believe in God, and we believe in his sovereignty and his power. And and so the the other option... Could be, um, and I I think I've just been thinking about this in the last few weeks, really, is if you like the Esther option Uh, and thinking book of Esther. Now, when we look at Esther, we tend to to sometimes think, oh, yeah, this is a great um, book of all about God's providence. Well, it is sort of Well, it is, um, but not in the same way the book of Ruth is. Yeah. where god is, 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 is mentioned in the narrative and is, is prominent in the narrative and working behind the scenes as well as in the scenes, whereas with Esther and Mordecai you've basically got backslidden believers you know they've mm-hmm. compromised the part of the culture um, and and they're going along with it and uh, until eventually they face a crisis and there's a gradual awakening mm-hmm. and I think one of the reasons why God isn't mentioned in the narrative is because if you like the the, the narrator is, is is effectively saying, yeah, well, God is pretty well absent from their thinking. Hmm. He's distant from their thinking. He's he's remote. But of course, God is not absent from his world, nor is he unfaithful to the covenant with his people. And so he acts even through uh, faithless, compromised people like Esther. So we, in one sense, then we've got to be faithful to the covenant. We've got to renew our commitment to the god's covenant and and you know if if we die we die <laughs> if i die i die okay uh, we've got to be willing to to pay that price if necessary but let's not give up because we have got a god um who who can change things remarkably you know turning the tables as it says in uh, esther chapter nine
0: yeah so that last option is essentially be as faithful as you can in the situations that you find yourself in and pray because God is the one who will bring about
1: yeah change but 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 part of that is um not not um i mean we've got to do all those things you you just said uh that but um but but the but particularly the the leaders in the church, I'm thinking of ministers, mm. i'm a minister, have got to wake up mm. and 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 for this to be effective and for our people to be equipped, the ministers ministers themselves need to be culturally aware of what's going on and culturally engage. And so there's got to be a double reading, if you like. There's got to be a reading of the culture, and there's got to be a reading of scripture and a bringing the, the two together into critical engagement. And I fear not that much of that kind of thing is going on.
0: Not enough, yeah. And look, uh, you, you go into that in more detail in your book, and so mm. um, uh, I hope we've stimulated people's thoughts enough to – get into your book and uh, thank you very much for taking the time to, to join us and, and chat through those ideas, Melvin.
1: It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. And
0: you've been listening to the Reformers Bookcast. You can catch up on missed episodes at reformers.com.au forward slash bookcast. Uh, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and we will see you next time.